Well, this is also uh, Hanukkah, and that looks like Passover. Because I've got to talk about celebrations, celebrations. This week starts Hanukkah. Jesus went to the temple for the festival of Hanukkah. It was not one that was commanded uh, for, uh, in the law for the males to go up to because when the law was given, Hanukkah was not celebrated. This would have happened, uh, of course, as the Maccabees pushed off uh, the oppressor Antiochus and he who desecrated the temple, they, they really... In some sense, supernaturally, the Lord gave them the ability to push away through guerrilla warfare a much larger invading army. And uh, as they rededicated the temple to use, uh, the, the tradition says they did not have enough oil to allow the menorah to, to be lit for eight full days of the feast, and yet the oil burned uh, those, all of those days. Uh, so, celebrating Hanukkah, a lot of folks right now, uh, in Christian circles, today we're celebrating the resurrection. Every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. That's what the text says when it says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice in that day. That's why it's Sunday. That's the day that we rejoice the day, and you see the context, of the resurrection. We still remember this day of the Lord, this Lord's Day, uh, the resurrection of Jesus on our calendar every Sunday. Another one on the Christian calendar is this one, right? As the, Jesus r reminds us to partake of the juice and the bread in remembrance of me. This is my body, which is for you. Do this together. In remembrance of me. As a church, we partake of this every first Sunday uh, together in the basement. Another celebration. What you celebrate does say a lot about you. It's what you rejoice in. It's what you enjoy. Our family enjoys birthdays. We, we try to make a big deal out of each birthday. Why? Because we like gifts? Well, okay, but because we like the people. We like that person, and on this special day, we want to honor them and give them a special attention and lift them up. It's a special day in our family because that person is special. And so often, as you celebrate the World Series win or you celebrate whatever in the city, that shows what your city appreciates, what it enjoys. One of the largest festivals in the world as a religious festival is celebrated by Hindus in caves in Malaysia. Um, and they do so as they devote themselves to a false idol. Uh, and it's, it's the largest one. Hundreds of thousands of people will come. And, and they will pierce themselves through uh, those in worship until they're bloodied to try to gain acceptance. During this festival, one describes loyal devotees will put themselves under significant physical burden as an offering to their main idol. They do this in return for answered prayers and forgiveness of sins. Jesus was pierced through for our transgressions. Satan loves to twist things instead of us being pierced through for our transgressions. Jesus was bloody. And we celebrate that and his victory over death. 
but Satan loves to twist celebrations, to celebrate what, to twist the, the opposite. And so our culture does that. As, as God celebrates family, our society says, you're not going to celebrate the traditional family. You're going to celebrate anything opposite to that. If it's anything but the normal family, we'll celebrate it. Right? And in fact, if it's the exact opposite, that's what you're supposed to love, enjoy, and celebrate. Satan loves to twist Christian ideals, the, what the Bible teaches as the norm, and celebrate the opposite. And that's what we get into the text today. Kind of the big idea is we find that the list, the end of all of this list, filled with all, filled with all, filled with all, it goes beyond committing to what? To, to celebrating, to celebrating, okay? And so we, we don't just look at our society when we go through this. We need to look at ourselves as well. And so going through all of these, right, and we, we recognize these three uh, in purple here, right, the, the three kind of grammatical markers on which all of the sins or vices of society are hung, and it really denotes a maximum amount filled to the top, being filled with all, full of, until they are just this, right? It, it connotes and it, it's a synonym for that because they're filled with the sin. But as we looked at these, uh, we just tried to apply it to ourselves, right, as Christians, because we want to be light, and we want to be different, and we want to shine bright. And so as we see society is going this way, we want to go this way. We want to honor the Lord, and we want to mirror the opposite as we mirror godliness and Christ-likeness. I have these on the back table. If you'd like one of these, we're not going to go into this today, but uh, it can be your MRI, your checkup, to, to look through all 21 of these. And I would encourage you to do this uh, on a monthly basis. If you want me to send you the PDF, I can. And just look through this. Lord, where am I changing? Am I changing? Where do I need to change? As we consider the different attributes of our society being filled with, and as Christians, us being the opposite of. And you see them on your notes there. Sins of corruption, just plain bad. Unrighteousness, wickedness, God-haters, inventors of evil without understanding. Sins of covetousness, just plain greedy, right? Greedy and envious, right? We can't go into each of these. We're just going to read them. Sins of conceit, just plain proud, insolent, a proud thought, arrogant, proud look, looking down on others, boastful, a proud mouth, right? If you think you're proud, you look down on others, it's going to come out in what you say. Sins of cruelty. Right? We see this in our culture. It should not be in the church at all. Our church needs to be a kind, gracious church with one another. But sins of cruelty, just plain mean, evil, murderers, malicious, unmerciful. And then sins of communication, just plain nasty, nasty in their speech. We saw deceitful, gossips, and slanderers, right? So these are the ones we've handled so far. And today we're going to just finish out the whole list of 21. And we should have time to, to give the ending verse that's the capstone of all of this. And then next Sunday we'll have our Christmas program and a Christmas message on New Year's Eve. So by God's grace, finish out the last four of Romans 1. What's the main heading here? Sins of company, sins of company. We need to be careful about how we interact with one another. Sinful relationships, sinful in how we interconnect in our 
uh, interpersonal relationships with one another. Those that you're closest with is the way, the, the hardest uh, to obey completely, right? Your brothers and sisters here, you may be way above board, uh, but ask the spouse, ask the children, right? How are we doing with one another? Okay, so let's look at, at these, uh, these four here. The first one, contentious, uh, strife, verse 29. Here comes the rain. Strife, verse 19. Contentious, strife, and then the word wrangling, like a wrestling, causing people to be at odds, disagreeable, constantly disagreeing with what the other person brings up, just bringing up the other opposite side just to be the devil's advocate in every little thing, constantly negative, argumentative, combative, contentious. That's our word there. That is a, a word that describes a depraved society. Why can't everyone see things my way? This is the sign of the end times. People who love to drum up drama, stir the pot. That's a sign of a depraved society. Word comes up a couple times in the pastoral epistles. It's not very often used. There's a lot of synonyms for this all throughout. But Pastor Andrew and I are looking at the commands in 2 Timothy and just focusing on one a week. It's filled with commands for pastors. And one of the verses that you're probably familiar with, 2 Timothy 2.15, says, Pastors, everybody, be diligent to... Present yourselves, approved to God, a workman working hard who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Doesn't that sound good? Pastors, be very careful to know your Bible. Accurately handle it as you teach it to the brothers and sisters in church. Clear command. You know what the previous verse says? The previous verse says, I charge, charge the other people in the church in the presence of God, not to wrangle about words. Stop fighting about words, tiny, insignificant things. And it's in a religious context. And then he says, accurately handle the word of truth, verse 15. Listen to verse 16. But avoid worldly and empty chatter. That's our word there. It will lead to further ungodliness. Chatter is not the word. It's the word in the previous verse, 14. So we are to hold firm the word. Hold firm the word. But in doing so, we cannot constantly bring up debate, debating topics just to fight with one another. In fact, the Bible says if someone's like that every time you get there and they're just wanting to fight, wanting to argue, wanting to argue, it says avoid that person. And it says here, verse 16, avoid this type of banter. It will lead to further ungodliness. In the previous verse, it says it leads to the ruin of the hearers. It's, it's harmful, spiritually harmful. 
but still hold firm the word, right? So hold firm the word, don't argue about the minor things, okay? The gospel we fight for, gospel truths we fight for. Augustine says, in essentials, unity, non-essentials, liberty, in all things, what? Charity, charity. All right, so we have liberty on minor things. We're not fighting over those. Well, what kind of thing would that be? What type of thing would that be? Well, Corinth gives us a good example because it was a fleshly church. It was filled with this. So he gives us an example. He says, I've informed some of you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, <laughs> that there are quarrels among you. That's our word. Now, I mean this. So this is an example. One says, one says I'm of Paul. One says, I'm of Paulus. One says, I'm of Cephas. One says, I'm of Christ. There's these factions. I want to follow this person. I want to follow this person. I want to follow this person. Being contentious in cliques and factious about personalities is wrangling about words. Okay? Stirring the pot, causing drama, causing strife among the brethren. A friend of mine was visiting a very well-known ministry. It was out of state. It's not near here. Uh, but very well known for helping people with problems like this. Known for the counseling ministry of encouraging each other, right? Being able to confront one another in a biblical way. And, and I said, oh, you were really close to this church. Did you try it? And he's like, I tried for three Sundays and there was just so much fighting, I couldn't keep going. Right? It's, it's, it's sad. This is the description of the world depraved world it should not be a description of a church it's a sign of a depraved society it's a sign as people love to fight and i don't need to go into it around the world but it is isn't that isn't our society right you cannot just report the news now to get a viewership you have to have two people to come and fight about it that's the only thing people will watch and if the louder they are screaming at one another, the better the viewing. Because this is night. We need there to be light. So let there be light. What's the opposite? Somebody help. What would be the opposite of this? Somebody help me. Okay, well, what would be the opposite of being contentious? Loving peacemaker. Yeah. You come in and you're bringing people together. Hey, guys, let's not fight about that. Why do, we, why do we have to always talk about that? Let's talk about something we agree with. Let's love one another. Let's be gentle to one another. That person is light. And Jesus says that person will inherit the earth because they're blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will inherit the earth. We need to be really careful about this as a church. Well, let me encourage you to do that at work. Let me encourage you to do that wherever you go to be a peacemaker. Because people are going to want to fight with you about that minor thing. And we can get sucked into it. It's so, so pushed on us in a mold. This next year is going to be crazy with political opinions. You thought this Thanksgiving was rough? Wait, no, I guess Thanksgiving will be after the political election. Thank the Lord. Right. But it's going, to be, it's going to get really, really... And people will say, you know, if you hold that position, you're of the devil. They'll be saying, they'll be thinking that. We're just going to need to be gracious with one another and gracious with our family and show the love of Christ to them. Look at the next one. Boy, did you see this coming? A depraved society. 
right? Depravity to its fullest, right? And, and if, if I were to tell you what, what, what is the description of depravity, I don't know that you would go here. Um, disobedient to parents. But this is what it is. This is great. I have my, my kids in the balcony. No. They're very obedient. Thank you, kiddos. At least in front of me. This is the step before honoring. Obedience is simple. It's just, it's just very simple. This is what I'm told to do. I'm doing it. Just so simple. And yet our society pushes the opposite. Live your own way. Be your own self. Be true to yourself. And what that does, that message reinforces, get rid of, get rid of boundaries. Get rid of boundaries. Get rid of boundaries. Get rid of boundaries. And that's all the education system and you don't need your parents, you don't need your parents' consent for this. You don't need, like, just get away from the parent. This is what our society is pushing. And it's a sign of a depraved time. As parents run from God, their children run from God as well. As parents run from barriers, their children run from barriers as well. And so our society is told from birth to live your own life. Live the best life now for you. If it takes stepping on toes, pushing down barriers, you got to do it for yourself. The first barrier we experience is our parents. As we learn to submit to them, that's helping us learn to submit to God. So parents, we need to be careful to, from a small child, from a very small child, to learn no to toddlers, to learn by gracious, consistent discipline. Every disobedience. Right. Not just like when the kids are, do something stupid, that's not disciplining. You don't discipline for that. <laughs> but disobedience is what you discipline. Because everybody does silly things, stupid things. Now hopefully they'll grow out of that, right? But, but even if it's small, I said not to touch that and you touch that. There's discipline there. We can go through the different... Stages of discipline, if you'd like. We need to do a session on that. We're going to do one actually in, I think, March. Discipline regularly every time there's disobedience. Not in public, but in home. So a child learns that. That's the beginning. As they get older, out of... um, six, seven, eight, then, then by God's grace, even at the beginning, you, you try to teach honor, right? Honoring is much harder, much harder, and I still have to honor my parents. Is this honoring to my dad? Is this honoring to my mom? Three components for honoring, I think that's in your notes. Uh, obey, obey, first step, but then obey sweetly. Obey completely and obey immediately, right? Attitude. It's not, okay, Dad, I'll do it just for the next three years till I get on my own. Obey completely, the right, the right manner. Right? This is not just doing the dishes. This is wiping the counter just like Mom would want it. Obey immediately, right? not two days later, not five hours later. As soon as I'm told, that's how we honor our parents. We encourage our young people, right, as you get older and older, the older teenage years you get to, the harder this is. And that's God-given desire to get out, to have your own home. And that's good. But while you're there, 
It's your learning to submit to authority. And the more you can honor your parents, uh, the, the, the better your life will be. It's the first commandment with promise. And so, teen boys, as you learn to obey your mom, you're going to be able to obey your wife, doing everything she says. It's just preparing you for marriage, to being a good husband. I felt that way when I was a teen boy. It was really obedient, but it was hard. But I was like, you know what? God's getting ready. And then, and then this series is just so easy to, whatever you want, dear, let's do it. You can love and lovingly serve her. Okay, we got, I got to get way, get moving here. Untrustworthy. Verse 31. Untrustworthy. This is ah, uh, meaning not. And then the word there is not faithful, like faith, like having a lot of faith. It's covenant keeping. So not keepers of their promises. Not keeping our covenants. And so it's actually, you look at there, verse 31, the last four are just a real nice uh, machine gun in the original language. This would be without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. Uh, those four all just begin with A, begin with not, and, and kind of rhyme uh, in the way they appear. Not rhyme by... Uh, uh, sound though. So they're untrustworthy. They're not keeping their promises. I'm sorry. So to be light, to be part of the night, it's disobeying your parents. So what would be light? Obeying your parents, right? Honoring your parents. Okay. Untrustworthy. We see that all around us. Covenant breakers, faithless. Um, breaking promises is just normal now in a depraved society. But this is not so in a Christian circles. We need to let our yes be yes, our no, no. Well, I didn't promise. I crossed my fingers. Um, I was exaggerating. I'll be very careful. You've got to be very careful. This is the thing. If, you're, if you talk a lot, you're going to sin a lot. So just be very careful before you say, we're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then you commit to it. You, you commit to it with all your heart. And this is how we're light. This is how we're different in the workplace. Right, but, but those, you look at the, the Old Testament translation of, of the Hebrew, this comes up uh, almost all the time in the issue of divorce. Breaking that great promise and covenant that you made before God and witnesses. And we see this in our culture as a very rampant thing, not just in uh, secular circles, but in Christian circles. So parents, right, we need to be careful to keep our promises to our kids Keep our promises to our bosses, and then we're light. And then the last one, uh, unloving, unloving, without natural affection. Uh, so this is, again, the, at the very end there, verse 31, untrustworthy, unloving, and we considered unmerciful in a previous session, but unloving. Um, we know the original language has many words for love, right? What's one of the words for love? Agape, right. And we often say this one, now there's overlap in all of these, but this one has to do with God's love or demonstrating the love of Christ that I'm going to sacrificial give of myself for other people with no thought of return. And that is what we're all commanded to do is we love one another. Another one would be, you want to know another one? Phileo. Phileo, good, good. So our kindness one toward another, 
We think of uh, friendships, perhaps. Now, often those two are used interchangeably, right? So we couldn't see a real hard, like, well, that's bad love. That phileo is not God love. No, God loves us with both. We love one another with both. What's another one? Yeah, so Valentine's Day, right? This romantic uh, eros love, right? Uh, even physical attraction, those types of uh, themes. Now, this is the fourth one. Uh, this is storge, and it has reference to love between family members, brothers and sisters type of love, uh, the normal love that you're supposed to show towards your parents or to your children. And so society de degrades. It gets away from this natural bond and, and I think it's, it's interesting, you go to some societies, and I feel like there's some societies that, that do this better than our society. They're just more familial to one another in their family. Uh, they stay connected better than Western culture. But we can't let our culture dictate what we are filled with. We're to have a family-like love for one another in the church, but a family-like love for our family. And that can be very difficult Again, this is the 24-7 type of stuff that's much more difficult than just, oh, I see Danny on Sunday. Uh, now, I see Danny probably six days a week. But, but it, for you, you just see him Sunday, right? And so it's easier to love someone you only see for an hour. But your, your husband, your wife, your children, they're going to see you when you're really, you have a headache. And you've had a rough day. And you just want to sit down and watch TV. And they want you to help you with their math, right? This is more difficult. Familial love. And the Bible says that the depraved society will be without natural affection. This natural affection toward one another will denigrate and denigrate. So what do we do to be light? Let there be light. What do we do? We show affection toward one another. As a brother and sister, a good brother and sister, right? And it's, you know, there's all these ups and downs. I realize that. But let's, by God's grace, right? If, boy, I just... I need to get right with my brother. I need to get right with my sister. Is there someone in the church? Lord, help me to get right with that person. I, I didn't mean to do this, but no doubt I, I um, rubbed them the wrong way. Or maybe they did that for you, and you need to bring that up and just say, I'm trying to let love cover this, but I remembered it the next day. And so that offended me when you slapped my face. Um, would you please not do that again? And will say, I didn't mean to do that. Right, so without natural affection is the sign of a depraved society. But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? These 21 references to a depraved society, and they are very, aren't those searching? Well, don't you squirm through those? If you didn't, let me point you back to the proud one. No. Uh, right, these are, this, this gets us all. Lord, and these are all different Right? And this is the way God talks about growing. It says, from glory to glory. So it's not like, right? in all of these, we need to keep growing. That's what the point is. Right? Now, some of these, by, by nature, you're probably better at than others. Right? We understand that by personality. Um, but, but Lord, help us. Help me to grow in all of them. I still need to send my mom a birthday card. Just got to do that today. Um, okay. I get... I shouldn't say things that aren't in my notes. The celebration of a depraved society. Uh, although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they have hearty approval for those who practice them. 
So not only do there's sins of a depraved society, but there's a celebration that's commanded. What do they know? They, they know about God's what? His character, his command, and his character. Um, they know that God has this ordinance. Uh, all the way from the beginning, they know that God has made it clear. There's this understanding of a God. And even if you're not Jewish or you're not Christian, you don't have any Judeo-Christian background, you do have a sense of a God and a sense that he has moral obligations on me as a human. You go to any part of the world and there's that sense of that from birth. Where does that come from? The animals don't have that. It's what sets us apart. It's part of God making us the way he's made us. And that's the flow of thought of Romans 1. He keeps going back to creation. We know this ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of what? Death. Worthy of death. And so that's Genesis 3. Right? The soul that sinneth it shall die. Right? They ate of the fruit and there they die. Jesus, it was Jesus, but God said in the garden, don't eat of this fruit or you'll die. And so there's that spiritual um, spiritual understanding that I am held accountable to God and he is my judge. God commands me to obey and I have a sense in my heart that I'm falling short. And you may become hardened to that. You may sear your conscience about that, but deep down in there, as we've gone through these things, you've known at least one time you disobeyed your parents. And the Bible says one breaking of the law is like breaking it all. You're a lawbreaker. You're guilty before God. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have gone astray, followed our own way. And so all of us need the good news. And that's what Romans 1 is preparing us for. No matter who you are, religious, irreligious, the most notorious sinner, or someone we would say that is the notorious saint, all the same. In God's eyes, we all fall short. We all need to go to the cross, accept the forgiveness that Jesus alone provided, being the Lamb of God, garb ourselves with his perfect righteousness, recognizing that he has obeyed it all, and God the Father said, listen to him. He's my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. And then we recognize I have no guilt, no fear of death. I've embraced the lamb. I've placed my sin upon his head. I've clothed myself in the righteousness of the son. And so I can come right to daddy's house and sit at the table and eat at the family table. Not because of anything I do, but because... Jesus was judged in my place. And so the world deserves death. You and I deserves, deserve death. Jesus said, this is the judgment, that light has come into the world. Jesus is light, and men love darkness rather than light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Jesus has come, yes, as judge, but also as the attorney also as the one who would come and pay our bail, the one who would come and do our time, the one who would actually be condemned to die, capital punishment on the cross in our place. Let there be light. What do they do? Instead of accepting this understanding, believing the gospel, what do they do? They not only practice those sins, what does the text say? Not only do the same, but they do what? Party approval. 
They give hard, they heartily approval those who practice them. So it's not, not just enough in our society to practice sin and it be in, in a corner or in a closet. It's now, it's out in the open and you've got to celebrate it. And if you don't put some symbol about it on your Instagram, you know, logo or uh, wear a button about it or then, then you are sinful because you're not celebrating it. Isn't that interesting? If you're not celebrating the opposite of God's commands, then you are labeled as sinful. You're the one that's breaking the society's laws by obeying God's laws, upholding God's laws. And so they celebrate, they condone, they pat on the back, they encourage the night, they run from the light, heartily approving those who practice lawlessness. This herd mentality is so powerful, so powerful. That's it. It's the herd mentality. Oh, they did it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate. And it's not just the sin of homosexuality or the sin of immorality. It's, it's all of these sins. They, they don't just want to be mean to someone. They want to say, did, you, you need to mock this coworker too. You need to start slandering the boss too. You need to start sleeping around too. Right? There's this celebration, celebration of lawlessness. And if you don't tow society's morals, you could be blacklisted. You could lose your job. Disobedience loves company, the herd mentality. Violence loves company. Cruelty loves company. Approve of our wickedness. And so Solomon warns his son, my son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. Don't consent. I'm not going to approve. I don't need to be mean-spirited and judgmental looking down, in that sense, looking down on them. Just, say, just you know what? I'm going to stay out of that. I'm going to stay out of that. And as you do, as you refuse to celebrate what the world celebrates, and you try to live the opposite, the light of the gospel, there's light. There's light in Queens. There's light in Forest Hills, in Kew Gardens, in Briarwood, Jamaica, all over. And that light Jesus uses to draw people to himself. Some will run, but those, he's calling everybody. Some will run, but many will believe the gospel. And they'll join the light. And they'll join the light. And this person, that person, and I pray by God's grace in our lifetime, we'll see two million people follow the light in Queens. It will change society. Again, you could leave your, your, your keys in your car again. I just was walking down our neighborhood, three cars right in a row broken into, glass smashed out. This is darkness. This is night. But as we promote the light of the gospel of Jesus, all of a sudden, you can leave your doors open. There's some societies still like that. And just go into people's houses because we're going to be kind to one another. Let there be light, be gone the night. God spoke, then sun, then eyes, then sight. Come wandering lost, find hope and rest, find purpose in this life of dust. Let there be light, be gone the night, of soul still wandering from God's side, striving to cling to Satan's bite. But from God's eyes you cannot hide. Let there be light, be gone the night, my own bleak heart has soared to height, 
from sin's low dungeon, darkness chain, to find in God my joy, delight. Let there be light, be gone the night, millions still lost from Jesus' light, wandering, stumbling, darkness grows. Till from here we embrace the news and shine brightly Christ's love all over Queens. And so this eight-day Hanukkah festival uh, uses the menorah to, to, to think about the light that was, that was still there even though you wouldn't expect it to be there. Wicked ruler. Then there's this military victory and then this, according to tradition, supernatural ability. And as we look around us and we see desecration, we see dark, uh, the, the night of lawlessness uh, be so rampant around us, we ask the Lord for the filling of his spirit, the oil of his spirit, the supernatural light of the gospel to shine uh, eight days, 80 days, eight years, 80 years consistently. That's miraculous. The fruit of the spirit shining all over the world. Let's pray. Maybe the Lord will...